Hello, hello. My name is April Malone, and I'm with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Ken Shute with me coming from Hawaii. Thank you for coming, Ken. <laughs> You're welcome. Glad to be here. So Ken and I don't know each other in real life, but we have actually talked a few times now, and it's, it's really exciting that you're with me today. I know that you've never done a podcast before, so thank you for logging on so early in the morning <laughs> to do this. <laughs> no problem. We've no got problem. a three-hour time difference, and so um, he got up at the crack of dawn today. Ken, let's just chat about how we met um, just recently, and then we'll go dive into your history and what you're doing. Okay. Um, I was contacted by uh, the Arizona Balloon Jam that is currently online, and they asked for a couple of products, and I sent them some, and evidently, your daughter won one of them. Yeah, it's an exciting day. Um, so he mentioned the Balloon Jam. So I have three kiddos, and my oldest daughter, when she was six years old, she asked for a balloon kit when she uh, was for her birthday. And I ended up having a balloon artist friend out um, from Southern Illinois who uh, I reached out to, and I was just like, hey, what are the best balloon kits like for a six-year-old? And he's like, oh, no, 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 don't buy one of those balloon kits. You need to, and he named <laughs> off like the, the proper equipment. You need to get Qualitex balloons. You need to get this kind of pump. The Qualitex green pump will work out, you know, well. And he's like, and I have some connections in Arizona. So he sent you know, me the names of a gentleman up who was, he used to live in Flagstaff, Cody Williams, I think. And, you know, buy his DVD and learn how to do twisting. And, and then he gave me the name of a gentleman who did a balloon party for us um, for my daughter's birthday party. And, and also, by the way, the professional balloon artists of Arizona get together twice a month and you might want to join them. <laughs> and so we have been going to these balloon jams here in Arizona for about f almost four years, uh, three, three and a half years. Um, and when the coronavirus pandemic hit and everything moved to virtual, I ended up hosting the, I'm not a balloon twister or a balloon artist myself, but I host the balloon jams now online on a Facebook group and just send out the invites. So Ken contacted me asking, you know, hey, I want to give away some products. Who do I go to or something like that? So he came to that event where we had a giveaway that night and a lot more people than usually show up came because of uh, his his product, I think. So, um, but that night I was able to ask you for your story. Do you want to tell us a little of your story of how you started, first of all, making balloon equipment? Tell us what product are you making and and who do, who do you serve? Sure, sure. Um, first off, I serve the balloon community, which is a very eclectic group. Uh, not very big piece of the market overall, but it's about kids' entertainment, uh, anybody that twists balloons or does balloon decorations can uh, use any of the gear that I make. Uh, how I got into this, my current girlfriend uh, got me into this. She introduced me. She'd been doing this for 15 years by the time I'd met her. And we did a couple of, she taught me how to do 10 different items and then it just went from there. And as we grew in our uh, job needs, we needed more gear. And at the time, I couldn't find anybody that made anything. So we designed some stuff. She was a sewer. I'm a sewer. And we put together a the original first bag. I have it right here. Is this one. 
to hold all the balloons in small pockets so that they can see them. And those get blown up and used during the entertainment uh, parties. And as we went and went to our own jams, people saw what we were using and decided they wanted one too. So I started making them for the locals. And then uh, we went to some conventions and took our stuff with there. And then it just snowballed from there. So go ahead and describe that bag that you just held up for the people that are listening today and are not watching the video. Okay. For those that are not watching, this is a a heavy gauge nylon bag that fits over the top of a pilot type handled tote. It hangs. It's got 20 some odd pockets that all hold about 50 balloons per pocket. So there's a lot of balloons that uh, an entertainer can handle and carry with them so that any request can be made. It's kind of like a tackle box for balloons. Yes. So the mesh pockets are like gentle and they're not going to pop the balloons. Right. It's nice soft pockets. Yes. And uh, once, once we got to the conventions, I, I'm now shipping to 26 different countries. Countries. Oh my goodness. Countries. Yes. Wow. My favorite was uh, Reykjavik, Iceland. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually didn't know about your bags because I, like I said, I'm not the balloon twister in the family. And we're, I'm, I've been sitting in all these jams now for a few years and I'm hearing all the lingo. I'm getting, you know, familiar with the equipment. And I see people rolling in all these, I guess they call it a, a what do you call it if it has wheels? A rig? These balloon yes, artists, the, you know, come rings. in with their big totes and things all on wheels and all sorts of shapes and sizes. Well, there's a lady in New Zealand, Pip. Pippity pip, yes. pippity pop. Is that pippity pop? Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> and she has, you know, her Ken shoot bag and she's got it all decked out with lights and everything in there. And um, everyone was so excited you were going to come to our raffle that night. <laughs> um, so you said you're shipping to 20, 20, 26 different six, countries. Australia countries. and New Zealand are big buyers. Yes. Yeah. Um, go ahead and tell us the story of how you started making bags. Now, you were a twister. You were doing parties uh, with Joanne. And right, right. now now you, why are you not twisting anymore? Well, since we moved, we were, Joanne retired from her county job. And we moved to Hawaii as a retirement, semi-retirement kind of situation. And once we got to the island, we decided we wanted to be semi-retired. Now, that means something had to go, and there's not much of a call on the island that I live on, because this is more agriculture than it is rural, like Oahu. Mm -hmm. So there isn't as much of a mainland feeling on this island as, say, Oahu. So um, we decided to go ahead and cut back on the entertainment end of it and just focus on the, the bags themselves. Uh, those will continue for a few more years and we'll see how long it goes because eventually I do want to be retired. (laughs) It's too pretty a place not to have plenty more time. Let's talk about how coronavirus and the pandemic in general has affected the entertainment world this year. Well, for the coronavirus as I see it, way out in the middle of the Pacific here, we have been curtailed. Our business has dropped to pretty much zero. Uh, a lot of people out there, because their entertainments, their tip in 
generators they're they're sometimes off the books they're sometimes running their own show uh try just they're just trying to make a buck and with the shutdowns uh we've been deemed pretty much non-essential mm-hmm. so we can't work they can't work they want to save as much money my job as making balloon gear gets uh, moved down to the bottom of the barrel as far mm-hmm. as uh, priorities so i am enjoying the time off but i would like to see everybody else get back to work right so it's not just that people don't have the money to buy uh the gear it's that parties and events and oh, festivals yes. everything yes. has just stopped so basically where the balloon artists would show up those things aren't really happening right now correct correct because um every area has its own limits as to how many people can congregate in one area birthday parties are mainly drive-bys now so yeah the guests the guests will stay in their cars and drive past the birthday uh party uh, the guests of honors honors uh, home mm-hmm. and they'll wave and be, it's not the same but hopefully we'll get back to that soon and what have you seen balloon artists doing in the meantime well in the meantime they've been doing things what they call yard art and um balloon twisters don't generally leave their twisted creations down on the ground and in the front of front yards uh what they've done is they've modified their their business to include uh, decorations, uh, which has in the past been you're either a twister or you're a decorator. And very few people, Joanne and I were exceptions. We did both, uh, but very few people actually did both. So now it's, 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 they're just scrambling, trying to, again, make that dollar because they found not loopholes, but opportunities to be able to uh, earn more during this time. I think everyone's expecting a comeback at some point. And so I'm also hearing a lot of people just kind of honing that craft, like trying to stay active and keep those, you know, fingers limber and keep twisting. Um, And also talking a lot about the business stuff. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some of your experience with um, helping people as they... Okay, for instance, I saw you post the other day, someone was asking about a business card design. Do you want to tell a little bit about how you got into giving like business advice for entertainers? Sure. Um, I was asked to do a couple of classes at a convention based on business because uh, too many people in this world of balloons and fun don't seem to know how to run a business well enough to make a profit they don't understand that profit is not the same as what is left over after they don't know the number game of uh running a business and it's fun balloons a lot of parties that that's the fun part but the business is what's going to keep your doors open and as we ran into problems i just shared that online and again uh, connections started picking up on those posts and they liked what I said evidently and invited me to teach and business cards was one of them um, how to get jobs how to find jobs how to use the uh, information out in the world to be able to market that's you still got to be a real business even though you're in the business of fun right 
taxes and (laughs) responsibility. (laughs) Yeah. And keeping inventory and just all of that, not as fun stuff. Right. Well, uh, one balloon maker makes 64 colors. We've got two two major players in the in the balloon world, and so that's 128 different colors of balloons, and that doesn't even count the different kinds of sizes between the 160s and the 260s, different different kinds of sizes of balloons that you make. 350s uh, and four and, or 646s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm yeah. learning. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of balloons. So if you start multiplying that out, you'd have to have a warehouse to hold on to these things. So. You got to figure out how you're going to buy them, how to store them, where to put them, and how to keep track of them. Because they they are uh, a, a balloon will last about three years in normal storage before they start getting kind of sour. Yeah, they deteriorate because they're actually yes, a natural product. Yeah, and you're not going to be the only balloon person that I interview because now that I'm getting all these connections from, you know, we've got New Zealand and Australia and uh, UK mm-hmm. all showing up to our jams now. So it's kind of fun, but you're the only one that I could really think of that was making a business out of this working from home right now. So you were, okay. I think you told me you did 15 years. She did 15 years of balloon and yes. then you did 15 years of balloon also. Yeah. Um, well, when we met, it was about 14, 15 years ago. Yeah. So okay. I've been in the balloon world for about 15 years now. So tell us a little bit about what you did back then. And then what does a business, what does a regular day for you look like now? Look like now, for you now. Yeah. It, it, like everybody else, everything has changed. I basically have not been in my sewing room since, well, three different, three different jobs that I've done. In a sense, Corona lockdown, but basically I've got dust everywhere. <laughs> but um, in in the past, I was working six, seven days a week in here, 10, 12 hours a day. Oh. And uh, I've set up my, one of the be- bedrooms in my home to be my, I would turn the computer around, but the back of the computer is not clean. So <laughs> too much dust. You're in your workroom right now. Okay. <laughs> I am in my workroom right now. You can see the sewing machine back behind me. I will turn it over here. This is where I keep my most of my material. I do almost everything in entertainer black, but uh, we do customize things like uh, camo or uh, balloon fabric. Anybody, it's a whole different ball of wax when we start talking about my products and I won't go into that because most of your listeners can't see this. So huh. you went yeah. into the the balloon twisting world as an entertainer going out, doing parties, doing events. Did you do any big events? Big events, yes. Um, through a couple of connections, I started working with a couple of the big, uh, bigger names in the, in the business. Um, I was had the opportunity to work on the movie premiere Up with uh, uh, Pixar down at in Hollywood. Uh, I've done a couple of jobs with uh, like Despicable Me. We did the uh, opening of the new ride at Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, that was an interesting job. I've done a couple of television shows. I've kind of done balloons on, well, big names, some of which I still have a, a non-disclosure agreement on okay so we yeah, can't yeah. tell because you know they want to keep their privacy and and i respect that it's all good 
Um, so what was it like for you when you transitioned from being out in the crowds and, you know, the fun of you were in California, right? Correct. We were in Southern California down in Orange County, just five minutes from Disneyland. Can you just talk about that transition to when you moved to Hawaii and you're like, wow, we can't do that life here anymore. What was it like for you to try to make a business out of your home? Well, since most of my business was online prior in Orange County, as far as my products are concerned, uh, that change is not a big deal because if you can do it here, you can do it there. Uh, everything I had sales-wise was online. Uh, so whether I'm in my bedroom or if I'm in an office or if I'm in California or if I'm in Hawaii, it doesn't really make any difference where that is. The entertainment, however, is site-specific because you have an area that you can drive to. Um, we drove from, in, when we lived in California, from the um, Mexican border all the way up to Central California. I had no problems driving four to five hours to do a job because we made sure it was a big enough job. But um, you want to, the transition was just in deciding not to do it anymore because we just didn't have the market available here. There's not as many people. There's not, uh, this, this, you need a big population base because while everybody has birthday parties, not everybody hires birthday entertainers for each birthday. So you're kind of swinging at the ones that do, and it's difficult. We decided to give that up when we moved here. That's our only, uh, Downside, I suppose. Right. We do enjoy the entertaining. You had um, you had already made that transition a little bit back when you lived in California. A lot of your business is working from home there. Yes, as far as the business is concerned, on the gear end of it, we had two separate in uh, businesses going: uh, the entertainment side and the gear side. And both of them were being run out of my bedroom because it was just better overhead cost. Mm -hmm. I mean, we already mm -hmm. had the room. So um, we decided to take advantage of that. But once we moved, we had to make some choices. Yeah. And entertainment went, but the gears, we're still in business for gear. So you're Only my gear. first guest who is actually selling a physical product. Mm -hmm. uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about what that's like, keeping inventory, getting things shipped to Hawaii and then shipping away from Hawaii? Oh, that's a whole can of worms. Um, <laughs> talking about culture shock, moving from the mainland to an island community. Um, there is a real thing called island time. Everybody here gets it, and I think I'm sliding into it. My inventory control consists of just-in-time, pretty much a just-in-time kind of thing. I make all of my orders to order. I don't pre-assemble anything. Um, once it comes in on my website, I start the process of patterning, cutting, and it takes anywhere from one hour to six hours to produce any one of my products. So <clears throat> as long as my orders are coming in one or two or three at a time, I'm good with being able to do it in, a, in an orderly fashion. When I can get behind or if my material lags, currently my material is coming in from uh, Michigan. Okay. Because there are no suppliers here that have the quality of material that I use. Um, 
my thread comes in from California. My uh, it's it's a sourcing issue, and the one of the problems that I run into is does not ship to Alaska and Hawaii is a real thing here. Even though we have UPS, the Postal Service, we have UPS, we have DHL, we have all the major carriers and all the major players. There are still people out there that believe that Hawaii is out someplace that they can't reach. Oh, so and for I, you to get your supply, it's difficult. Correct. I had to change suppliers because some of them would not ship to me. And that was a big uh, change. The post office system here is completely, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <sighs> well, we don't have things like running water. We don't have things like, uh, uh, if you don't live in the city, you don't have some of the standard mainland amenities. So do you have running water where you live? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a whole different way of getting it. We have to catch it. It rains here almost 300 inches a year, and we catch it right out of the sky. And it was rain yesterday, and it's in our glass of water today. And I really like that part. Oh, my goodness. But, That's so different. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I grew up with well water. So when I thought... It's about the same thing. Yeah. But you're catching it from your roof? How do you gather water? Yeah, yeah. We catch it in the roof and it stays in a tank. And then we, we run it through a filtering system and a UV light. And um, we process the water to make sure that it's clean and safe. But uh, it's so much better. Uh, it may just be because I'm in Hawaii now and it's so much better. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to tell us a little bit? Okay. I, I want to go back to like a typical day. Not not coronavirus okay. typical, but like when you were working 60 to 80 hour weeks. Um, oh, yes. Let's talk about how you balanced your life with, on the you know, being able to enjoy your island and also working so much. Um, what would a typical, typical day look like for you back then? A typical day, I would wake up normally about 4 or 4.30. Uh, start with breakfast coffee on the, on the patio the lanai. And then uh, we started at a regular time because working at home is difficult to to make sure that you get the stuff done. And if I'm that far behind where I'm working 10, 12 hours a day, I got to get to it. So I get into it. I start doing mostly the patterning, the cutting, and then we'll do the sewing. But I do it one order at a time, process the order, put it in a shipping container and set it aside, get started on the next one. Um, I took lunch like every other business, and we took breaks just like every other business. But if I needed to, I would run as late as I had to to make sure that I got them on time. I do have a uh, on-time uh, period that I put on my website that once the order has been placed, it's in the mail in three days. And in order to keep that happening... Not so hard when I've only got 10 or 12 orders, but when I've got 20 orders, it gets a little sticky. So I, I have to keep my regular old business schedule the same as I would at home as if I was at an office somewhere. So so you start from scratch, one order at a time, yes. first in, first out. First in, first out. No batching. Yes, um, the only batching that I do is if there's uh, multiple orders, and I have had people that order for their crews because some of the some of the people that order from me actually run an entertainment company right. which has multiple balloon twisters multiple other artists 
And what they'll do is they'll buy five or six items and that's when I can start batching. Oh, like if they're same. A lot of stuff done. Yes, the same item, the same uh, colors, the same. As long as, you know, six of this item, three of that item, two of those items. Well, I just batch. I just batch those together. But again, I just work on their order one at a time. But this is a small business. I I would classify myself as a nano business, nano sized business. Uh, and I'm not looking to be the next Walmart. Right. So you have a very specific niche that you work with. And do you have anyone else who is looking for your products for other purposes? Not at this time, but my marketing strategies are to keep them within the balloon industry. I don't want to get big enough to where I have to start hiring. Mm. I don't want to get big enough to where I have to start outsourcing. Mm. It's too difficult to manage for me and my choices. It's too big a, uh, an issue to outsource and keep the quality that I can be responsible for. So quality control reasons. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's just following control reasons. Interesting. Uh, so you you kind of have mentioned you are sewing, but then you also say we a lot. So are you working well, with? <laughs> Joanne started the, uh, the first design. Mm -hmm. So I include her in my business because it's a mom and pop kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And our entertainment business wasn't separated from my gear business. Okay. So not not in the in the in the business sense of the word, where it's a separate company and separate division and separate uh, building, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. It's just easier for me to refer to us as us instead <laughs> yes. of so divisional by saying just me, just right? Me. But uh, you are uh, the one who's doing the sewing. Oh yes, it's me. I am the sewer. I am the sweat guy. I'm my sweatshop is right here. <laughs> so I have to tell you something. Um, you know, I had you fill out that Google form to to tell me a little Correct. bit about yourself, and you said that you were the head cook and uh, chief bottle washer, <laughs> or something like that. And I didn't yes. know that expression. Like I'm an English teacher, right? But I didn't know that uh, expression. So I was thinking, oh, he's got a past in cooking or a chef. And then I was like, oh no, uh, that's just a saying. <laughs> so what did you do before balloons? Well, before balloons, I was 24 years in uh, nursing, medicine, and 10 years in construction. Wow! And I did do some. I did do some work at fast food and some restaurants. So way in the back, yeah. But that was my first job at a dollar ninety an hour. That was way <laughs> back. Oh man! Um, yeah. And then as far as now, what would you consider yourself? Would you, do you tell people that you're retired or do you tell people that you're, that you are a bag maker or how, how do you describe what you do to others? I describe my, my company as a support company for uh, balloon accessories and uh, entrepreneur doesn't, I don't see that a lot, but it certainly fits. Um, but I, I try not to be so, I don't know if, I'm, I'm really not sure how to uh, <laughs> properly label my my name, my title. We haven't but, actually said the name of your company yet, I think. Do you want to tell us? No, not yet. Not yet. I did want to bring that up myself. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell us what's it's, it called. It's, my company's name is Airborne Creations, and uh, we do all things with inflated balloons. How do you spell airborne? 
Airborne, A-I-R-B-O-R-N, no E, uh, creations with an S, dot com. And um, that's our company. Right. Well, we're not done yet. We still got stuff to dig into here, but I just wanted to make sure that we got that out. And um, so you you started this by yourself because you didn't find anything like this out there. Do you now know others who do similar things? Do you have like a network of people that make, you know, that you can talk shop with? Oh, yes. Um, we don't, the, the makers that I know that are making, currently making balloon gear for this industry. Um, one was a fellow jammer that lived in Southern California. He's still active uh, as an entertainer. So he makes uh, three or four items. They're really good quality. And I really like him as a person because I've sat down and twisted balloons with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy actually outsources his, his uh, constructions to um an, an outside vendor but he has some really good quality bags and mm-hmm. uh i haven't met him in person yet but um this entire industry which is based on the business of fun is one of those that creates networks within it mm-hmm. so we can get along well yeah and i think we get along much better than some um maybe not as many as, uh, as well as others but we do get along really well. So networking is, is part of our our industry. Oh, it's beautiful. I I have so many things to say about that. I it almost feels like the kind of uh environment like my my stepdad and four of my five brothers are all electricians and that's more of like the apprenticeship style uh industry. Mm-hmm. And I feel there are some similarities with the balloon industry that is something it's like an art that you pass down that you kind of help train how did you learn twisting i learned by going to a balloon jam where artists come together in a central place and they teach each other by example by showing and the newbies can ask questions the experienced artists will share they don't share everything but they share a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And of course, secrets are secrets and we are still in our own businesses, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of camaraderie because this is the business of fun. Yeah. And everybody just has too much fun. Um, So you see more collaboration than competition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you haven't gone to a convention yet, balloon convention yet. We were signed daughter. up. We had oh. one. We had a um, we had uh, our hotel uh, reserved uh, uh, and everything. It was supposed to be the week before school started. And yes, well, once you once you understand how a balloon convention can change your whole perception of competition and working side by side, we had some of the South, Southern California was a hotbed for balloon people because it, it, it's already Hollywood is part of the entertainment industry, uh, one of those big hubs. And it's there are balloon artists and glitter tattooists and airbrush tattooists. There are people out there doing the same thing. It's like you can't, you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody <clears throat> that does balloons. And so you're working side by side. If If we were competitive it would be a terrible place or terrible industry to be in so it's just much better to get along 
and, and have some fun. And also to be able to cover each other every once in a while, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I, I have, uh, because we go to the balloon jams, we know who can do what as far as their skill level. And we can find uh, people to help out at our uh, jobs that are bigger than we are. Say we need one, two, three, four, five different artists to cover. We can go and uh, go to the balloon jam people and say, well, I know he can cover this because I know what he can do. Right. Uh, so competition isn't really competition in our world because I twist differently than someone else, but I have a skill level that other people can use. And conversely, I look for the skill levels that I can use when I'm trying to cover a gig. One of the things that I've seen people do is always give credit to whoever they learned that skill from. So they'll say, this design came from, and then they'll say, you know, um, the name of that person who invented it. Or if they don't know the name of the person who started that particular skill, they'll say who they learned it from. You know, Correct. always giving credit to, you yeah. know, to whoever designed that. So I appreciate that. You know, there are some... Um, I don't know, copyright issues. I, you know, you have to be careful of, you know, who, whose stuff you're sharing. Um, that's one reason why we don't always want to record every single meeting. Cause it's like, well, I don't know if we have permission for you to <laughs> put that out there. Right. That's the difference between the balloon world and the real, the real business world is that the real business world is concerned with market share. It's concerned with intellectual properties. Mm -hmm. It's concerned with, um, who has the patent, who has the copyright, who has the trademarks. Mm -hmm. And then conversely, uh, protecting those part, those properties, because those properties do have real value. Mm -hmm. And since we didn't invent any of these twists or we didn't invent any of these designs truly because of balloon dog, there was a guy that did that big blue dog in New York and he tried to, he tried to copyright that. And uh, the courts decided that he was out of his mind because <laughs> uh, he can't copyright a balloon dog. It's been in it's been in the public domain too long. But uh, it's just that it comes out of the magicians' world. Mm. Uh, in their world, a trick, a, a thing. Respect is everything in magician's world. And we wanted to try to, to bring that into our world is the best I can describe it. Uh, if you respect your competitor, they may reciprocate and, and respect you back. So right. I think that's where that's coming from. So, Besides, it's just good, good, uh, good form to, to say who you, who you learned it from. Mm hmm. Absolutely. So while we're here in quarantine, our family is actually staying home or social distancing, maybe more than some people are. And uh, but we are showing up almost every week on Wednesday uh, when our area has the balloon jams. We actually are collaborating with um, Texas. And so we're taking turns every other Wednesday we're right. hosting. And, um, you know, my daughter actually wasn't showing up a lot of the time. She would get sidetracked with dinner and then like maybe the other kids were watching a show or something. And lately I've been like, you know what? We really needed to make use of this time right now. While we're home, you should be getting really good at balloons so that when, you know, the parties start up again, you are ready. 
Um, she's she's had two paid jobs, um, which is really wonderful for her, um, really boosted her self-esteem. And we started a bank account for her with the money that she earned. Um, and now that she has this amazing bag that uh, Ken has made yeah. um, and shared with her. Um, and, you know, one of the other, uh, uh, Dan, the balloon man is sharing a pump with us so that we can have something to put it on. <laughs> we didn't even have the big pump yet. Um, you know, that she's going to be really ready. Like as soon as the, that market opens up again, like we're going to be like on our game here. And I, I decided that I better learn because if I have to sit around driving her to all these balloon jams and to all these paid gigs, I probably should be ready to be, you know, productive as well and be her apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> and learning some of the business side of it. What advice would you give for people who are stuck at home in, you know, that are in the entertainment industry right now? What would you tell them, you know, as far as using this time wisely? Well, using the time wisely is is the best thing you can do for your business. Uh, you you no longer have the the gig to go and take away time. So practice. First off, it's a skill-based industry. If you don't do your twists, you can't get the, mu the muscle memory. You can't remember how many twists to do, what, what size balloon, what size bubble. Uh, these are all made up of small twists and <clears throat> in certain sequences. And if you don't, you, it's a use it or lose it kind of thing. Uh, put it down for too long and you just forget. Mm -hmm. um, I still have balloons from five years ago. I keep them in a dark place and every now and then I break them out and I play because somebody's going to ask me to do a balloon dog and I better know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, use the time to, to take classes. There are plenty of things online that you can uh, watch, listen to, podcasts you can learn from. Um, there are plenty of places you can go to find your business online uh, in the different forums and the different places that uh, they go to. The Internet is, is an amazing place to learn. Right. So and a lot of free so opportunities, that like if for people yes, that are concerned that about time. that money, there's YouTube channels that will um, Skillshare is another website. I think that I don't know if they have balloons on there right now, but uh, there's just a lot of free content available out there. Right. No matter what your no matter what your your business is, uh, there's always a way to find some way to make it better in the downtimes. So if you're not taking advantage of that, then uh, it's your business that's going to suffer for. Now, you mentioned to me that you are involved in a, in a business Facebook group. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Well, the business Facebook is Mind Your Own Business, and it's a business-to-business -business forum. And what we do is it's, it's designed not for advertising, but for uh, taking an advertisement that they're thinking about putting on a Facebook uh, forum and having the, the members critique it and say, well, this color combination doesn't work quite right. Or this, this state, it's basically a marketing uh, for your business, business forum. And I wanted to set it up so that it would be business to business so that there wouldn't be any uh, clients coming by. And so we could talk openly and truthfully. And so far it's been working pretty good. Now, is that We've, also balloon, the balloon world or is that any kind of business? Currently, right now, it's just the balloon world. And the reason I'm keeping it that way is because that the, the, the current members, 
that's their genre. That's what they know. That's uh, we're looking for input on their experiences for their business, which means it may not apply to somebody making widgets somewhere out and, you know, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of like to keep it on topics that we know something about right? because it's, it's tough to, it's tough. I can't, I can't speak to how to make, um, you know, a, a wheelbarrow mm-hmm. because I don't know how to source the wood. I don't know how to source the metal, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I, I want to try and keep to what we know. You know, you mentioned wheelbarrow, and that reminds me, you're, you're actually making a product that often fits over other products. Do you want to Correct. talk about how you choose, like, for instance, your carts and things that you design your uh, bags, your balloon bags to go over? Sure, sure. Um, we, we do that reactively. Uh, through the years, I've been doing this for about 15 years, plus or minus, and over the years, different totes and carts and ways to get gear from their home to their, uh, to their job site has changed. And, um, as long as it's got a a pilot type handle on it, uh, like a, a balloon, uh, the last big trend was crop and style. Crop and style made paper, uh, a tote to take around your, um, paper goods. Mm -hmm. They, I, I'm not even sure what, was it kind craft. of like the stationary? Oh, it's like the uh, yes. scrapbooking and yes, the okay. scrapbooking. Now we modified that for it's a, it's a big tote. It's twenty two inches wide by sixteen inches deep and fourteen inches down, so it holds the balloons perfectly, and it'll hold pretty close to twenty thousand balloons. Oh. So it, it's a, it's a great way to just put it in the corner when you don't need it and roll it out to the job site when you do. And I put something on top of it. And then Zuka, the sport cart people for the Frisbees. Yeah. Um, the disc Frisbee, I, can't, I guess Frisbees. Disc golf. Yeah, disc golf. That's the one. Um, that came along. So now I've got a, um, an entire line based on that size. And because I'm the only maker that makes customized gear, anybody that has any tote, any box, bag, suitcase, you name it, I've made gear for suitcases. I made oh, gears wow. that fit in cardboard boxes because that was the character that he entertained with was a hobo. Oh. And so he would show up with a with a cardboard box. And rather than have just messy plastic bags or something, mm-hmm. I actually made him a, a a gear set of nylon gear to to hold his balloons inside of a cardboard box. Cool. So he could stay true to his character. I love it. So when my daughter did her first, um, well, she did a birthday party for uh, a friend. Uh, the It was my friend, actually, and her son, mm-hmm. um, the, the balloon artist that they hired, for some reason, whatever reason, wasn't able to make it. And so last minute, she asked, could my daughter do it? Because she had seen my kid do it for my other daughter. I have two daughters. <laughs> so yeah. last year, um, the older daughter did balloons at the younger daughter's birthday party. Well, then, you know, I posted about that on my Facebook page or, or my personal page. Uh, profile and another friend was like, "Hey, we've got a, a a school event coming up. Would she be able to come and twist? And there will be some other balloon artists, but she can, you know, work alongside of them. And they got special yeah. permission and had her come. Well, um, 
it was it was a really good experience, but there was there was a moment that it all kind of went to well, it didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> um, she had that her happens. plastic bags of the balloons. You know, they come in a bag of a hundred or two hundred and fifty or whatever from Qualitex or whoever we got them from. And she right. had them on the table. She had a balloon apron. It's just like a waitress apron for her pump, but she didn't want to wear it. She was just setting her pump on the table and the balloons on the table that she was working next to. And I had her, like, she had, like, a glittery top on. It was, like, sequins and stuff. But we didn't have, like, anything that was, like, really signage. Well, all of a sudden, some kids started grabbing the pumps. And actually, it was some moms. Moms would take the pump and take the balloons and start pumping them up for their own kids. They thought it was a free-for-all. And, or that the balloons were just laid out as, like, an activity for everyone at the fair. They didn't realize that she was actually working like the other people were working next to her. And so um, all of a sudden, like, all of the pumps were out of her hands. I was sitting aside, you know, away a little while reading a book. And I just saw this go down. And all of a sudden, like, all of the payroll were just grabbing and grabbing and grabbing. And she couldn't, she couldn't get control of the situation. <laughs> it was really yes. kind of terrifying for her. Um, she was like, you know, this is not, th these are, you know, I'm the balloon artist. She was, or the twister, you know. And so I was able to come and we had like a little, it wasn't a one of your cool bags. We just had a, it was a hard side lunchbox. I don't know, 18 inches by 12 inches or so. And we just zipped okay. it up and we walked away and we went and got like a pretzel or a slushy or something. And we came back 20 minutes later and kind of regained control of the situation. And I, I yes. came away from that thinking she needs something that shows that, you know, this is her professional equipment now. And this, this bag, like, basically screams, um, you know, this is the real deal. Like, this isn't just a free-for-all here. Um, and I've seen people hang signs on your bags. Like, they use your yes. bag to, like, actually display, like, their menu items or something, like, for the balloons. Yeah, we have a space on the back of the bag that is, um, you can either get them with pockets on both sides or pockets on one side. And on the back side, we can set it up for sign hangers. Mm -hmm. We can set it up for embroidery. We can set it up for all kinds of different ways of signage. Um, everybody goes through that at least once <laughs> a month. Oh, really? It's, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, you know, people are so geared into the fun. They see that there's a balloon laying there. I'm going to grab it and I'm going to try and do something. Right. It's it's very difficult to control the crowd, and that's a whole skill that she will eventually pick up on. Right, and but that, it will never go away. That's something that I've been hearing a lot about during the um during the balloon jams online. Now that I'm sitting in on them, since I'm kind of running the Zoom mm -hmm. for them, um, I'm hearing all of that talk about like how do you close down online? Like I was only hired for two hours, and all the different techniques that people have now, you know, either like number cards or a sign up yep. form, or just the thing that you say to the last kid. Or some people will even have a bag of balloons that they'll just give out to the remaining kids and just yeah. you know as you leave. Um, and it's a skill like that, that whole crowd yes. control and the management is not just, I can twist a balloon It's I know how to handle children who are disappointed because their balloon popped, but there's 15 other kids in line right now. Right. Right. And that's the, that's the difficulty of, of doing balloons in a situation that has more people in it than say a birthday party, right. say like a store opening or a, a festival or mm -hmm. a, there's always going to be somebody hanging around and there will always be somebody that's going to go away disappointed. And that's the sad part of our business. Mm -hmm. But 
Macy's and Target and all the other big people that are normal big businesses close their door at night. And there are people that they have to push away because they close the door right in them. It's nine o'clock closing time. Mm -hmm. It's part of our business and nobody wants to turn away a dollar, especially today because COVID is the way it is. Right. But you, there are techniques to learn the signs, the end of line signs, the uh, for my gear, I actually make covers for all my gear so that once the balloons are gone, mm. they can't see that the balloons are available. Oh. So it makes it easier for the artist to walk away. Yes. Now, now um, that doesn't always work because there's always that one customer that's out there that's been waiting for eight hours on a two-hour party. <laughs> there's that guy. And you always have to deal with that. But um, Target has their problem, too, you know. They're standing at the door. What was that Mervyn's TV commercial? Open, open, open thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you learn how to deal with it. And uh, it's an ongoing thing because people are people. I we, want, do, we do work with the people in environment here. I want everyone to know how they can find you and find your amazing product. My website is uh, airbornecreations.com. And I am on Airborne. Uh, I'm on the web. I am on Facebook and I have a very limited presence on Instagram and on Facebook. It's Ken shoot airborne creations and airborne with Instagram, no E. Yes. No E. If I did that on purpose because airborne with an E means it's the guys with the guns mm -mm. and Different industry. we are balloons. <laughs> We're all about fun. <laughs> Oh, wow. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. I have really enjoyed this. Um, I do want to just remind everyone that Christmas is coming. And if you have a balloon artist in your life, they might benefit from enjoying um, an up upgraded gear. Uh, if someone were to maybe outfit like a younger, like a child or a teenager or someone who's just thinking maybe a college student who's thinking about um, paying their way through college with balloon twisting, as many people right. have done. Um, what kind of product should they start off with? I mean, this is this is a little overkill for a nine-year-old, but I think she's going to be able to rock it because she's had a few years of training now. But yes, yes. That one's, that one's designed specifically for restaurant work in small, thin aisleways. Um, we have balloon aprons that are designed for wearing in festivals and things like that. That's the best way to go. You get the most bang for your buck as far as how many balloons it carries and how many different things that you can make with the balloons that you can carry. It has room for the pockets, the pumps, everything that we need. Um, after that, it's it, we have busker bags that are small, medium, and large. We have all manner of uh, custom work. If you can think it, I can make it. And But starting out, Good old-fashioned balloon apron. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah. I think that your aprons would be way better than the, the three-pocket thing we got from the waitress supply store. Um, <sighs> I remember that you gave away a little wallet, too, uh, at that oh, raffle. Yes. And now that's not for, like, a big gig, but when do people use the little wallet? <laughs> okay. That came about because somebody asked me what I did when I was standing in line at the supermarket. And I said, I'm a balloon artist. Well, if I'd had that... When I was in that line, I could have said, watch this, and maybe gotten a gig out of it. Ah, yes. It's a, it's a small item that holds about enough balloons for about 20 um, small sculptures, and it's great for, I've used the thing in airports yes. to keep, you know, screaming kids happy, <laughs> and uh, 
you know, because that long plane plane flight from California to Hawaii, it's five and a half hours. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've made things. Oh, it's it's just a small thing to uh, keep busy with, just yeah. so you have balloons on you at all times. Well, we appreciate this amazing gift that you sent us, and uh, my my daughter forgot what. Um, was coming. So when we got the package from Hawaii, she's like, I don't know anybody from Hawaii. So it was extra fun. Um, well, we yeah. appreciate you and uh, thank you for sharing thank your you wisdom. Yeah. Well, don't forget it's Ken Shoot at Airborne Creations. Um, and you were otherwise known as Super K in a past life, right? That's right. Yes. That was my <laughs> stage name. Yes. Super um, K. All right. Well, this has been Yes, I Work From Home. I'm April Malone with Ken Shoot. And thank you again. Take care. Bye-bye from Hawaii. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah. So bonus section, I hung up our uh, recording and Ken started telling me the coolest stuff about where he lives. Ken, what do you, what do you have on your farm? On the farm we have, it's a full one acre here in, um, on the big island of Hawaii. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, the community is called HPP or Hawaiian Paradise Park. It's the second largest housing tract in America. It's got 8,800 one acre lots. And it works out to be about 16 square miles of land just for our tract. Um, on my property, I've got 75 chickens. We've got eight turkeys. We're looking to get some goats and some pigs and some sheep and rabbits. I have some of the, since we're in the tropics, I wanted to make sure that I had as many plants and trees as I could muster that were uh, tropical. So I've got two, uh, four chocolate trees, which are cacao trees. They grow here uh, about with the northernmost latitude. So it's we're considered the North Pole of chocolate. Uh, coffee trees, we've got, um, uh, if anybody knows the gum juicy fruit the, in the yellow packet, that flavoring comes from the jackfruit that is grown here. And I've got a jackfruit tree. Uh, I've got some things called soursop and uh, lilikoi, which are passion fruit everywhere else. On the island, they're called lilikoi. Uh, they have a beautiful flower, uh, an invasive vine. Man, they'll take over if you're not careful. But we have um, cashew trees. I, I have currently 65 cashew trees growing. Um, In one acre, you else? have all this. Well, right now, the cashew trees are only about Okay. Um, <laughs> and you mentioned asparagus. <laughs> Yes, I've got vegetable starts. And <clears throat> one of the beauties about being, again, in the tropics is we don't have winter. Our thermostat, we don't have a heater. We don't have an air conditioner. We don't have insulation in the walls, which is kind of irritating to <laughs> me. But. I thought I heard water running earlier, and you said that was And it's raining. raining. Yeah, it rains every day here. rains almost every day here. We get anywhere from 200 to 300 inches of year uh, of rain a year, which means every day, 365 days, we get about, on average, about three quarters of an inch of rain oh, every day. Goodness. But yeah, uh, since we're living on an island, a volcanic island, it actually sponges, wicks water away. Uh, during Hurricane Lane, that came through two years ago, <clears throat> we got 54 inches of rain in three days in my driveway in my rain gauge and 
the reason my house is still here is because the lava acts like a ginormous sponge. It, the water hits the ground and just wicks straight away. So as green and as tropical as this side of the island is, if it didn't rain as much as it does, we wouldn't have this beauty. It'd be like a desert. Here. It would be, which is Konosite. They get 40 inches of rain every year, and it's as desert as Arizona. Wow. What, um, yeah. what is your island known for? Agriculture. It used to be the home of one of the biggest pineapple and sugar plantations ever. Uh, some years ago, they decided to move away from that, and uh, the government asked them politely through subsidies to leave. And Pineapple and the, sugar? Both at the same time, which was very difficult for the uh, Hawaiians here. Um, that put them into a, a huge uh, economic yeah. downturn. Yeah, but they wanted to move in more residential. They wanted to get uh, more mainland-like mm -hmm. without losing the island feel. And I think they've done a pretty good job of it so far. There's some hiccups here and there, but... You know, so what is the new agriculture? The new agriculture is small. Everything is small. Uh, the COVID problem is getting everyone on the planet back to gardening, right? to small victory gardens, these things. Uh, our, our garden hasn't been put in yet, but like I said, it's tropical. We can, we can put in anything, any time of the year. Uh, thing we can't grow is tomatoes, and garlic because there's too much water. Oh. Those have to be grown indoors. Indoors. Okay. Yeah. Uh, onions, another one is that needs very little bit of water. And so some of the normal crops that everybody can grow in the, in the mainland are very difficult to grow here just because there's too much water. Ah, uh, well, that was that was a fun little extra tidbit. Thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap it. Thank you again, Ken. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. This is an exciting week here for us at Yes, I Work From Home. Our podcast has officially been accepted on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you can find your podcasts. Go ahead and go to our website if you're interested in seeing the transcript, the video, www.yesiworkfromhome.com forward slash podcast. There you can also find a button that if you're interested in being an interview guest on our show, you can fill it out and let us know a little bit about you, what you do, who you help, and why you want to be on the show. See you next time. Thank you so much.